Hello, everyone, and welcome back to your favorite St. Louis sports podcast, The Lunatics. I'm your host, Tyler Edwards, along with my co-host, friend, and quote-unquote co-producer, John Love. Uh, this this evening, uh, I am currently drinking Angel's Envy bourbon. Uh, it's a personal favorite of mine. It's what I went to tonight. Uh, John, what do you got? Water. High-quality H2O, if I'm quoting Ricky Bobby here. Was Which it blessed by I an Eskimo say... priest? And that's not Ricky Bobby that you're quoting, by the way. No, it's uh, not. It's Bobby Boucher. It's Bobby Boucher. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby Link, yeah. Um, but when we were at Disney World, we were bragging about the St. Louis water to someone in the airport and kind of crapping on the Orlando water. Um, so I just want to throw that out there that we are very blessed with water that has not been, uh, you know, sanctioned by an Eskimo priest, but it's close enough. I mean, it's still good. Uh, it's just not quite the same caliber. Right. Still good. It's it's always cold if it's been blessed by an Eskimo priest. Yes, that's true. But unfortunately, it's not the water we have. But I am uh, overcoming a little bit of a sickness, so I figured I should probably avoid alcohol tonight. And I'm apologizing yeah. for my voice sounding weird because it sounds extra weird, more weird than normal. At least you don't ever actually watch any of these afterwards yourself anyway. So you're fine. Um, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not I my feel problem. Like I'm, I'm the one who actually listens to at least part chunks of these later. And then I'm like, yeah. Oh, we sounded real terrible the other night. So um, I feel like I always sound terrible. So that's fine. Exactly. So it's been for those listeners, I know we technically <laughs> released an episode last week, but it's been two weeks since we've recorded and a busy two weeks at that. Um, <clears throat> there has been crazy things happening uh, all over St. Louis sports world, uh, sports world in general, as well as uh, earlier this evening, the Lions uh, managed to squander a uh, squander, squander. I can't even squander. say words. We're, yeah, we are so great. We're, we're really on fire tonight. You know what? We're, we're starting off top-notch but uh they did not pull up they had a 17 point lead at halftime and then gave up uh 27 straight points the funniest part about it was the meme that i sent you that i found on reddit um from the simpsons and it was you know the saying this is how you beat the 49ers and it was you know one of the adults in the simpsons you know smacking bart on the head mm -hmm. and bart is green bay in this meme and then like i saw that and i was like i wonder if they're still winning and then check the score and no, they were not winning. And I was like, that's glorious. Made my whole day. So <clears throat> here's kind of, I, I think the hot topic right now. And the thing that I really want to touch on is really the first thing on our outline as well. The blues, the so St. Louis right blues uh, are so hot, just so hot. Um, but <laughs> So they lost five to two in Washington to the Capitals. It we looked atrocious that game. Uh, we come back to St. Louis to play the Caps two days later, and then we blank them three to nothing. Uh, good sign looked like a different, completely different team. But again, for me, it's the same thing, right? The inconsistency. You win one by three, you lose one by three. I mean, the... <laughs> right. Well, and we'd been losing several in a row at that point too. I yeah, think we, 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 were, we lost the Flyers and the Bruins, I think, right before that. Yeah, it was not looking great. It was looking like the uh, new coach bump, as we called it, was well gone and in the in, behind us. Um, <clears throat> but that 3 nothing win is nonetheless uh, something to highlight was the, the shutout there by Benner. And a lot of people are like, yeah, this is the Benner we need and blah, 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 blah. He faced 18 shots. Right. I've said it since the beginning of the season. If you can keep him somewhere around 20 to 25 shots or less, Benner will win you games. He will Absolutely. Not, and, and that's what you need from a well-paid. And he's won us games and kept us in games when he's faced way more, right? Uh, right. But on a night-in and night-out basis, we should be focused to keep him around 20 to 25 shots where he's only being asked to make one or two ridiculous game-changing saves and it's going to keep us in the same place. And same with, with, with Hope, Joel Hofer. I mean, he's done great for us this year too. But again, any goalie in the league, if you put up against 30, 35, 40 shots in a game, I mean, it's just, it's too much. So what I'm hearing is, is that if you allow your opponent to take less shots, they score less goals and you win more games. 
That's if you have a good goal, if you have a good goalie, because oh, there's goalies okay. out there. It doesn't matter how many shots you take, they're going into the net, right? <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is, is, is goalies. You should not rely on goalies to win you ga- games night in and night out. And realistically, even during this stretch, one of, but especially prior to it, the one of the things that the Blues have really leaned on and needed to win games has been their goalkeeping uh, and that's not you don't your goaltending is not something you want to rely be your bread and butter for how you win games if you want to make the playoffs or make a deep run i mean no but it's the way you say that though it implies that having you know that the goalkeeper doesn't matter and that's not accurate either right i mean it is a strength of our team it is something that that good teams have good goalkeeping no i 100% agree good, good teams do have good goalkeeping um but even good goalkeepers that while they might steal you some a game or two if you go into the playoff and expect your goalie to make 40 saves a night and win a series you're never going to win that series that's he might, fair. he might, he might, you know, you might, your good goalies are going to be able to stand on their head for a game or two, but they're not going to be able to stand on their head an entire series and get absolutely obliterated. Right. And the other thing about goalies too, is it's, it's very, it can be a very streaky position, right? Too, where if you go cold, like you could, you could have a rough few days and in the playoffs, you can't afford that either. So you've got a yeah. good point there too. So. After that three no, three to nothing loss, we have then went on to ra- rattle off four more victories in a row, all by the score of four to three. The last three of which all being overtime wins, uh, with a certain player that a lot of people have been talking a lot of crap on, <laughs> um, <laughs> with Braden Shin, our captain, getting all three overtime winners. You know, sometimes life is good. He still has the worst <laughs> plus minus on the team, but. He did get the last three game winners. So I don't know if there's like a a wins stat in hockey, like a war, you know, like baseball is war. Mm -hmm. But but Schenner just definitely helped hockey's version of that out for him. Oh, for sure. And something to to keep in mind, right, is, you know, Schenner is they've changed around a lot of the lines and who's playing with who. And right. I feel like we're seeing some better production out of several of our players. I'm, again, our defense is still suspect at times, but we know that um, we have, you know, one really solid defenseman in Colton Pareko, and we have a bunch yep. of guys that are hit and miss. Nick Letty's, you know, played consistent, but not great. Kevin Falk has taken a big step back this year from where he was last year. I felt like he yeah. was by far our best defenseman last year, and I feel like he's, I mean, probably where he should be, but he's fourth best on the team i feel like right now um on a on any given night defenseman wise maybe third best um and so you know it's but that step back hurts right because when you have when you when if pareko and falk were both firing on all cylinders and playing like you know number one guys both your top two defensive lines look completely different uh, oh sure how how dominant they are so this is a fun statistic uh and i don't know if you heard this so Not so two games ago when we went to four games over 500 finally, which we failed to do all season, we'd gotten close, but not to three games over 500. It was the first time we were four games above 500 since April of 2022. That that's not that surprising to me, having having lived through last year, right? Where and and last year I felt like we we felt good at the beginning of 2022. 22 to 2023 season but yeah that's not that's not surprising and honestly when you started saying that i was like oh god is that going to go back to like 2020 like i thought it was going to go back way farther than that honestly well we made the playoffs we made the playoffs as a decent playoff team uh you know we were we were not like worried about missing the playoffs and that right uh, 20 2021 2022 season right um and you Honestly, I still think had the Avalanche not taken out Benner, we still we have a really good shot of winning that series. Yeah, uh, getting back to good goalkeeping can help you <laughs> is needed for good teams. It to play matters. Well. It turns out. Uh, so you know, some things matter. Uh, 
but our opinions don't, but people apparently listen anyway. Uh, all, all 15 of them. Listen. <laughs> hey, you know what? We sometimes have 17 or 18 views. So occasionally, uh, th that might occasionally. be because I'm playing it over and again, trying to find some real footage, but I mean, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Got to boost those numbers. That's right. It's about, it's about getting the numbers high enough for monetization of which we are very, very far away from. Hey, you know, uh, we're only a few thousand followers away from We're so close. We'll be there. We'll be there in like a month or two. Yeah. Um, I do think the four and three, four, two, three streak is, is pretty awesome. I, I like that we're grinding out these wins. Um, I feel like there was a lot of grit missing earlier in the season. Um, and I think they're really kind of trying to, you know, coming together as a team lately. Um, so I am really excited to see that we are in a playoff position now, mm -hmm. which is nice. Yep. We have the second wild card spot after today's win, and we have a With game, a game in, hand. in hand over Nashville. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so things are looking good. Things are looking good. Um, the bet's looking better. It's looking better for someone, for you. If uh, you win this, what, it, what, what am I buying you? What beer am I buying you if you win this? Oh, man. Uh, I have not been drinking a lot of beer recently. Um, strictly not because I don't like beer, but because I've been trying to lose weight. So I've definitely been just doing tequila and bourbon on the rocks if I'm drinking. I mean, it's uh, not like bourbon is like so healthy. Calorie count wise, it's way less than, than beer. <laughs> some beers there's 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 calorie the beer that i drink uh it is fair fair <laughs> fair lower lower much lower in calories and tequila is actually not bad for you really at all calorie count wise like as far yeah as putting yeah in weight. there's no no bad effects from tequila so hey you know what man when i when i go to like work conferences uh tequila on the rocks is my go-to uh, mm. and i sip on that tequila and i enjoy my evenings uh <clears throat> So, never ended up drunk and doing the worm on the dance floor in Vegas because that would be inappropriate. Embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Um, beer wise, though, I really like the Brulegans, um, and I haven't had it recently. And by the time this is up, you know there should be plenty of Brulegans in stock, and we'll be mid, you know, getting into the thick of the city season. So that's true. Uh, it might be a really good choice to go for Brulegans, although. Uh, I, I'm also a sucker for some Guinness. I haven't had Guinness in a while. It's been sounding real good recently. Speaking it's of low-calorie beer. It's actually surprisingly low, low in calories. Yeah. It's filling, but it is low yeah. in calories. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's I why prefer I, I to recently drink stocked... my loaf of bread. That's right. <laughs> I recently restocked my fridge with Guinness explicitly uh, for the low calories. Uh, but it might be a moot point because technically speaking, you're still losing the bet. So they're currently, uh, their point pace is at 92 points. And for the listeners at home who have not been following along, uh, John weaseled his way in and goes, how many points do you think the Blues should get this year? And I was like, they should, 93 points, I think, is a realistic number. So he put the over-under at 92 and a half. And Tyler, being the idiot that I am, uh, went ahead and said, yeah, let's do it. I'll take, I'll take the over 93. Um, and for the most of the season, it has not looked great for me. But uh, after this nice little better. streak we're on, uh, we're at a 92-point win pace, 92-point win pace. Uh, and if we uh, keep up even just uh, playing it as how we have the last 15 or so games, uh, it's looking real good for me. So It's looking real good for you. I'm uh, happily concerned that I might be buying you beer, but I'm not complaining. You know, I'm... Hey, see? I, we need to hook up with Jacob again because I'm curious of where he's at with all this stuff. Um, about we should. <laughs> where he's Blues at, with, especially form. after this. Hey, you, yeah, if you guys don't listen to the Blues Fan Forum podcast, great podcast. Uh, Jacob's a good guy. We did a joint episode with him. But more importantly, uh, we, I feel like we need to hook up with him during this All-Star break and uh, talk about <laughs> where we're what we're thinking headed into the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to reach out to him and see. Um. The other thing I was hoping to talk about for the Blues is I, I had heard a rumor, and I think you heard it too, that the Blues I actually were actually saw it again today. So yeah, this is not yeah, we're, yeah. we're shopping Pareko. 
to other teams. How do you feel about that? Face palm? Don't like it. So Not a fan. First of all, uh, if you did not know, Pareko is the act of the active St. Louis sports players is the longest tenured player in St. Louis, any for St. Any St. Louis franchise continuously tenured. Um, really? So, yeah. Uh, I think he's at eight or nine years now. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. And yeah, there's no one left on the cards from that long ago. So yeah, Pareko yeah, well, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Lord knows it was Wayno until the end of last season. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, and oh, Yachty God. before that. Right. <laughs> but, so here's my issue, right? Even if we're going to commit to a full retool rebuild, right? What's the one thing that we've been missing since we've been trying to rebuild after our Stanley Cup win? Defense. Number one defenseman. Mm -hmm. We had Petro, right? And Petro was the guy. Army said, you know what, Petro, we're good. We don't need you. Instead, we're going to sign six average defensemen to try to replace your single production and screw us over in the, in the meantime, which I'm still pissed about Army about. Uh, I still feel like we should have paid Petro because it was pay him now or pay somebody else later. And we ended up paying multiple somebody else's later. <laughs> and it didn't work out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, Petro has another Stanley Cup since then, and we don't, so... You win some, you lose some. Here's the thing, though. Colton Pareko has not shown not just to be a good shutdown defenseman, but he has shown his offensive prowess and ability this year more than he has in his NHL career. I mean, to the point where they put him on penalty or on power plays here for a little while. Um, he's getting pucks to the net. He was always known for that just ridiculous power slap shot that he had when, early when he came up. But he's figured out, that, I mean, how to just get shots off quick with fast wristers, getting him to the net. Um, and if you can get pucks to the net, it leads to goals. He's been so offensively, he's been doing everything we needed to and been playing like a number one defenseman. Even if we decide to retool and rebuild, why would we not want to do that? Why would we want to do that, I guess, with Pareko? Right? Or without Pareko? Why would we want to move forward whether we're trying to compete? We definitely need him. And if we're trying to retool or rebuild, would you not want to keep him there until you knew for sure you had a replacement? Well, okay. So the thing that it comes down to, and I'm glad you used those phrases because I think those are the buzzwords that if you're paying attention to the blues that you're going to be hearing a lot this season or that you have been hearing a lot and, and will continue to. And that's retool versus rebuild. Now, retool means, okay, we're one or two or three pieces away from being a really competitive team right now. Um, whereas rebuild is, you know, strip it down to the bare minimum and, and start building back up, getting young pieces cheaply, um, maybe some that still need a little bit of development. Um, An army needs to decide what we are doing from that perspective on if we are retooling or if we're rebuilding. And I will say the the team has looked good lately. Um, I think we're far enough away now where I'm not as inclined to call it a new coach bump anymore. Um, but we have been consistently winning more than than we've been losing since uh, since Bannister took over. I mean, he's coached almost half the season so far. Yeah, I... I just don't know, you know, what the right call here. And, and I was reading an article on ESPN about the uh, best bargain contract, maybe it's the athletic, the, the best bargain contracts in the NHL. And a player popped up that was on there. Uh, and it made me kind of think back to how he played when he was with the Blues. But Nico Mikola was on that for the Florida mm -hmm. Panthers and how yeah. well he's playing and outplaying his contract so far. And I'm like, that guy could not was not playing up to his contract right with right. the blues and, and if they saw had to have seen something with him that they thought they could fix obviously they signed him and they took him not that nico mikola was a bad player but sure. definitely he is a completely different player now um and so i think that's that's one of those pieces um the trade deadline is not till march 8th we've got time 
Uh, it's roughly like a month after the uh, All-Star break. So you've right. got a little bit of a gap there. All-Star break's here coming up. Um, the Blues have to know at the All-Star break what they're moving, what they're doing moving forward. Because if they don't, we're going to get caught in this. We're not sure if we're retooling or rebuilding purgatory. And you'll always be either just barely sneaking in, luckily, or you're going right. to be missing out or just missing out of the playoffs. So you're never good enough to win the draft lottery. And you're never bad enough excuse me you're never right. bad enough to yeah. win the draft lottery you're never good enough to win the cup and you just okay and you end up where the cardinals have been for the last you know five to ten years right right <laughs> and there's a lot of teams that that exist in that that range period like in, in all of the major u.s sports like that's not uncommon uh and I don't want to see either of our teams fall into that although the last couple of years it certainly felt that way uh, for both the Blues and uh, the Cardinals, uh, you know, in the 2020s, it has felt that way. Obviously, yeah. the Blues won the Cup in 2019, but in the 2020s, it has felt like we are reverting to mediocrity, and I'm not a fan. Yeah, I think the for the Blues, it was watching Petro go that signaled mediocrity uh, mm -hmm. for the Blues. And I say, you know, upper middle class mediocrity, right? Good enough to get in. <laughs> never good enough right. to, to to actually get to the dance uh, right. to the final dance so and then for the cardinals it was it's similar it's oh well we're just trying to be good enough to make the playoffs well good enough to make the playoffs and losing in the wild card round every year no is you know that, that i will that's not one of the things i will say is i do and, and this is actually a good segue i think into the cardinals if you are done on the blues but the cardinals have made over the last few years, several moves that I've really liked and the fact that they've restructured our, our minor league pitching depth to be very heavy on left-handers. So if you look at teams that consistently do well in the playoffs for MLB, they all have um, a heavy left-handed um, lineup and also then a pretty heavy left-handed amount of pitchers. And the reason for that is because obviously lefties mash on righties, so... If all the teams in the playoffs have left-handed hitters, you need left-handed pitchers to counter that. And I think that uh, that Mo has been making strong moves, you know, for the future to develop that way. But we're just kind of at this awkward point where it hasn't really come to fruition yet. So that's I, my two cents. I, I think I, I get where you're saying, right? It's the, we need these lefties, but we haven't developed them. Right. I mean, the trade for Libertor is a perfect example. The reason we traded for Matthew Libertor is because we needed a good left-handed starting pitcher. Yep. We couldn't develop him, so we went out and signed Steven Matz. Steven Matz keeps getting hurt, so yeah. we... And then Libertor still isn't developed, and so we're still stuck in this, like, well, we have two mediocre left-handed starters, but we still don't have an actual left-handed starter. So then last season, our best weapon out of the bullpen early in the season is Thompson. And we're like, hey, Thompson, you know what? You're doing great. We need a left-handed starter because our left-handed starters and our, our starters in general last year are trash. So right. we sent our best and most consistent reliever down to the minor leagues, trying to lengthen him out. He came back and did okay. Yeah. You've lost so much value with him because he was pitching in those high leverage situations and was pitching well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And did you see, and we may have talked about this on a previous episode, but um, that Sonny Gray, it, he didn't mean it this way, but it, it basically came out that Mo has invested a little bit in, a, in pitching development and support for the pitching staff in ways that we weren't doing before that most of the other major league teams had been. I don't really we think we do a, this. Yeah. We don't do a great job of supporting and developing our pitchers. It's something that I feel the Cardinals have uh, struggled with. Um, you know, I think we've developed really good field players uh, pretty consistently over the last 20 years or so, but um, we have definitely struggled with pitching development. I say we, we've struggled with pitching development in the last 10 to 13 years. Since 2011, basically. 
like that Not time even, it was it was right at around there so even through 2013 right right um i mean like we saw guys we were drafting coming in we were developing them developing them well they were coming in and making an impact uh you think about that playoff run when we we won the world series in 2011 we still had guys like lance lynn coming out of the bullpen that were playing uh right. great innings and important leverage uh shout out lance lynn we're happy to have you back uh, <clears throat> and then well, you've got play you got other Go players like in 2013, your NLCS MVP, Michael Waka, who came out of nowhere, right? Um, yep. And we developed, you know, he was an high draft pick, had good stuff. We got him to a place where he was ready to contribute and really helped us down the strip make it to the World Series. And so we, we were developing and bringing guys up, but it, it, a few years after that, you know, and, and I, you started seeing the decline of our pitch, pitching development and it just has not rebounded at all right and that's actually the exact time frame i was thinking of was was that group of guys in the early 2010s was the last time i felt like we were bringing up good pitchers um that you know from within our system um so i'm glad that you had kind of the same thought process there for for when that was happening but i don't know we've got to see and I, I'm, not I'm, saying, not... and I'm not saying we haven't had a couple guys come up who have you know, looked good, but not the same way we used to. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, but then we went out in free agency this year and bought a lot of arms, but they're all in their mid-30s, and I, you know, not feeling great about relying on those arms. Hey, now, I'm, I'm in my mid-30s. Yeah? You ready to go out and throw 200 innings? I could. They wouldn't be good innings, though. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is for them to count, we still have to get outs. Yeah, but they're not used to seeing 70-mile-an-hour fastballs, so I think it would catch them off guard. It, it might. might. I mean, Zach Greinke's gotten some really good punch-outs with, uh, <laughs> with 56-mile-per-hour pitches. So, hey, Look um, at Wayno, man. Not last yeah. year, but the year before. Yeah. Hey, if you lose the velocity, as long as you still have uh, pitch tunneling and good placement, like you can be effective. Um, but in addition to signing old pitchers, we've now signed an old infielder, Matt Carpenter. Bringing him back. I'll, I'll let you mention this this bottom bullet point on him before I get into my thoughts, because I'm about to go on a huge rant about this that I've been preparing First off, I can't wait to hear this. But we are getting the band back together. We are excited about it. At least I am, you know, for nostalgia, not for performance. Um, but what I am really, uh, what's interesting about this is because he was DFA'd from Atlanta, who got him, I think, from the Padres as part of another trade. It was kind of like a poison pill type of thing. Um, Atlanta DFA'd him. We picked him up on waivers. So we're only paying his minimum the league minimum salary Atlanta's paying everything else. So it's not like we're spending a bunch of money to bring him in. All right, go. So Tell first off, talk about, well, let me get into my nostalgia piece. So I love Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter was one of my favorite players in the early two thousands. I actually got to meet Matt Carpenter uh, when he was still down in Springfield. Uh, I sent John a picture and I'll, we'll post it on the, our social media, but I actually got to meet Matt Carpenter when he still played in Springfield. I, I mean, I love the guy. I love his approach. I love his grind it out workman mentality now let's get into why we signed him and brace yourself so the part of this is that makes me super frustrated is listening to mo talk which is exactly why i thought we signed him mo says the leadership we're going to get from matt carpenter that's what's important that's what we need we need his leadership to help in the clubhouse to help develop players to help guys know what to do in the big moments um, I'm paraphrasing, but <clears throat> that's what he got at. Yeah. The reason that this is a huge issue is that we're blat blatantly saying, hey, guess what? Our manager doesn't have the leadership and we don't have the leadership. We haven't developed the leadership in the clubhouse. We're not signing. We're taking a roster spot to sign a player that we know is not going to realistically contribute this year. Uh, if Carp has a rebound year like he had with the Yankees a couple years ago, don't get me wrong. I will be the first one on here screaming and yelling and being super pumped and excited. 
But the reason we signed him is because we have failed as an organization, as a Cardinals organization, to put leadership in the right places, to have people where they need to be, and to ensure that the leadership is already in the clubhouse. If we're signing Carpenter to be a leader in the clubhouse, we should have been signing him as an assistant coach, as a bench coach, as a you name it, right? Something that the Cardinals are severely lacking is major league experience. And I'm not talking like journeymen played here and there sporadically major league experience, which is what we currently have. I'm talking about played every day in the major leagues, knows what's going on, knows what they're doing, and can help with that. Daniel Descalso is a great pickup, uh, somebody who did do that, and that's why we picked him up. Uh, losing Skip Schumacher hurt because Skip Schumacher was that guy for our club. So when you lose Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, and Skip Schumacher as your leadership core, and all in the same season, and then the next season, all you realistically have as far as, you, you, you know, you still have guys who've been around, but nobody who's actually mentoring or talking to these guys. And part of it to me is we didn't hand off the baton. I, Goldie and Arenado need to be the guys. They need to be speaking up. They need to be taking charge. Wayno, whether he was or wasn't, I assume he was, but that's one voice. I mean, you've got, you've got 40 guys, right? You need to be speaking to these people, right? Um, to, you, and if you're using a major league roster spot just to fill backfill your leadership, incredibly huge mistake from a roster construction standpoint um, long-term. I think, yeah, if you need a guy who needs to, you know, provide leadership, I think Carp is going to be able to provide that and help the team. You are absolutely going to burn yourself in the long run by taking a roster spot for a player that realistically you should be using as a coach position. And I think it stems back to, Part of it is replacing Skip Schumacher when Matt Holliday wanted to come or was going to come and backed out, which, again, he said was to focus on family and things like that, which I totally get. But I have to think some of that had to be after initial conversations with Ollie, and I feel like he wasn't sold on the guy. All right. I'll take a breath now. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, you know, I've been been sick the last few days and I'm out of breath just listening to you talk like trying to breathe for you is making me hyperventilate a little bit um yeah i don't i don't disagree with a lot of what you said it's not unheard of for rosters to have a veteran guy in the clubhouse who is there mostly for leadership but normally they still contribute a little bit on the field and i don't know if matt carpenter is going to be able to provide high level production um, you know, like that's part of why we brought Albert in. We didn't bring Albert Pujols in to to just trot him out there for, you know, the cameras. It, it was in large part because in the right situations against left-handed hitting, he was still mashing, right? Like we intended to use him there. And yes, we did get the advantage of his veteran leadership, but, you know, it was also to use him in those situations. So now I do we got have anecdote we got way more than we expected albert especially we down did the stretch. we did <laughs> yeah yeah we absolutely did when apparently he realized he was doing something different with his leg kick than what he did before he got injured in 2012 and like that was that was the change and i was like christ man that just like ruined your whole career like mm -hmm. <laughs> losing that one little thing but um it didn't ruin his career he's first ballot hall of famer but you know what i mean um the other part of this that I've seen comments on online that people are upset about is that it's saying that Goldie and Arenado are not good enough leaders. And I'm like, that's not, I don't agree with that assertion. Like the leadership part of it is sometimes like it's a lot. And if you're putting all of it on just those two guys for a clubhouse, like you said, of, of 40 guys, 26 in the majors, um, like that's a lot for them. And we also need them to be very productive players as well. Um, and so take, being able to take a little bit off of their shoulders so that way they can focus on their own performances. Like that's still important there. Um, I will say I was disappointed at times last year in, uh, Arenado. Um, I expected him in Yachty's absence to step up and be kind of the more vocal leader. Goldie has never been a vocal leader. Goldie's always been a show up, do his thing, work hard, lead by example, and I kind of expected Arenado to be that that fiery guy that we know he can be. And I didn't feel like we saw that last year. Um, 
So I do hope that we can see that again this year. But I don't know. I have mixed feelings about Matt coming back. Uh, again, I'm nostalgia-wise, all for it. Uh, I just did a quick run through the roster. Uh, guys that are 32 or will be 32. There's one guy that will be 32 during this turn 32 during the season. This year, we have 10 of them on our roster. The recipe for success. It's experience. Well-seasoned. So Here's the th again, but tell me why we needed an why so we had nine prior to Carpenter. Well, did the yeah the Kittredge tra trade happened before Carpenter, so we had nine prior right. to Carpenter. I so think we it needed a tenth. More... And again, I I think you it goes back to this, and Cardinals fans out here are probably gonna put me on a crucifix for this. It goes back to this the Cardinal way crap. That's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> But I don't. I wasn't going to call it crap. But I, I think it is probably related to that. And you know, we're not in a clubhouse. We don't know what things are are like. But if you feel like the guys in the clubhouse have kind of strayed away, away from the organizational values that the club has been built on, um, and has exuded, um, especially over the last twenty years, I can see the benefit in bringing a guy back who was here during those times, especially because you also have Lance Lynn coming back. And I do think Lance Lynn is going to be a big leader this year because like Lance Lynn is not a guy who lets things slide. Like he speaks his mind. Um, yeah. So I do hope that those types of issues get resolved, but I'm not, I'm not feeling strong about this Cardinals team. So I, I have mixed feel again. I think, if our pitchers can pitch just to their essentially their career ERAs will be good. If right. Right. But they're all, um, I mean, it's all if, right. Cause we said the if, same thing last yeah. year. I think the reason I say Cardinal weight crap um, is that it's not that I don't believe that, Hey, what your organization's preaching cores, values, everything isn't important. It's that, Mosaic keeps going back and referencing the cardinal way when I feel like we've lost our way and we we as an organization have not known where we're going. If you had said the cardinal way in the early 2010s, yeah, I was right there with you. It's the last three, four, five years, I've got less faith in the quote unquote cardinal way because I'm not seeing the results on the field. So it's hard to say, oh, well, we, we're bringing Carp in, and, and he said it in his press comments, we're bringing Carp in because he came up and knows the Cardinal way and can help us reset things. You're telling me that you've lost the Cardinal way. So, you know, if you, now if he said he, he understands the values that we built this organization upon and, we, and admits that, hey, as an organization, we've strayed, but instead he says, oh, well, he's a leader who understands the Cardinal way, so he can help us because he already knows what we're doing. Well, what you've been doing hasn't been working. So I think it's, you know, I think part of, I think the reason I say crap and the reason it gets on to me is the way that Mosellock handles his, you know, handles the press conferences and how he communicates and refuses to take any kind of ownership. I mean, he, he's taken a little bit, but then he doesn't truly, he, it, it's a, I'm going to take one step forward, two steps back with taking ownership for, for situations, situation with Mo. And, you know, I think he needs, I think if he admitted like, yes, we need this because we as an organization lost our way and we're trying to reset and had honestly just said that it comes off different than, <laughs> oh, he already knows the Cardinal way. So he'll fit right in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you and I are both kind of, um, Ollie out, Mo out, um, kind of guys at this point. Obviously, we're going to have them both this year, so we're going to have to see how this year goes. But they'd have to do really well to change my mind about that this year. And if you look um, at some of the projections out there, I don't think – like we're not the only ones that are not confident about this team. And that leads me back to a segment that we have not done in a while because we kind of started making it up as we go. Um, and that's a 10 second yes or no. Okay. Are you ready for it? I guess so. Okay. 10 second yes or no. 
So Fangraphs has this team projected to go 85 and 77 this year and winning the NL Central. Now, <laughs> do you think either or both of those things happen? Do you think the Cardinals get 85 wins? And I'm not trying to set you up like I did for the Blues. Like, this is just me asking. Do I think, repeat the question. Okay, so do you think the Cardinals get at least 85 wins, or do you think they win the Central? I think they've got, I think they, I don't know. I have a hard time answering that question right now because so much depends on these pitchers that are past their prime staying healthy for the year. Uh, again, I think if pitchers pitch to the way they would have for their careers, even over the last three years, say three, you know, if you take the last three years and mm -hmm. two of those, two of those years are bad for Michaelis anyway. But if you take those last three years and you say, Hey, the pitchers will pitch their average over the last three years, whatever else. Yeah. I'm going to take that. If you, but if any of those pitchers start to fall off, it becomes a huge gamble on is Gordon Graceffo ready? Uh, is, you know, the next guy up going to be, be ready to actually take the ball and pitch competitive innings for us. And right, right now, I'm not sure. Um, I could see, I see us somewhere in between 80 and 85 wins right now. And I'm not sure if that wins the NL Central or not. Again, it depends on if one of the other teams has some hot streaks or whatever else. I too, mean, right? So, like, if I were to look an at an 85 just, win division winner, that means that the rest of the division has to be really bad. Like, like almost. I think whoever like, wins the division is going to be 88 to 88 to 91 wins. Uh, no, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I don't think there's a 90 win team in the Central, but like, I think I think whoever wins the Central is 88 wins, right? But like to say that a team that's gonna gonna win it with eighty five wins, that means that everyone else has to be really bad too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just. I don't know. It's gonna be. It'll be interesting. I agree. It's definitely a problem. Um, it's going to be a potential problem for, for the Cardinals. Um, is going to be again, pitching. Right? They say they addressed it. I'm going to use this as my one time to bring this up again there's still a pitcher on the market that is not going to pitch this year that i think we should look at signing to a multi-year contract for post Lennon gibson and brandon woodruff who's that tell us more i'm how many times have i talked about him but those of you who are new to the show because hopefully we're bringing in new listeners uh brandon woodruff uh is one of the two stud pitchers for the Brewers over the last few years, along with Corbin Burns. Uh, Woodruff had some injury issues, uh, had surgery, and is going to be out for pretty much this whole season. Uh, and because of that, the Brewers just went ahead and let him go because it was the last year of his contract. So Cardinals could come in, sign him for multiple years because we have Lance Lynn and Brandon, and, excuse me, Kyle Gibson uh, on one-year deals with club options. Uh, and if Woodruff shows out and gets healthy and you feel like he's ready to pitch, you've got your, you have another stud pitcher ready to roll out in the lineup in, in a year. Yeah. And not only that, but I mean, I'm, but Snell is not signed yet. I don't think Monty is signed yet. Right. Like mm -hmm. there's still pitching on the market. And the fact that none of the teams are budging kind of tells me like, Okay, that means that we can probably get some of these guys at a at a reasonable price. We just have to be willing to spend. Um, I, so, I I mean, the pitcher I really want still is Monty, but I just want Monty, I just want Monty back because I'm a Monty fan, and he played. I mean, he showed, um, you know, he showed how well he does. <clears throat> so yeah, there's been other news in the major league, and and you've got it highlighted here. Uh, Matt Holiday was on the Hall of Fame ballot this year uh, for his one and only year. So he yeah. did not get, so you have to have at least 5% of the votes to stay on for the future years. Uh, and he got 1%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you agree Matt with Matt Holiday? He was always a borderline guy. 
anyway. Um, especially, it's especially hard for him when he comes on a ballot at the same year as Adrian Beltre, right? Like, those are two very different skill levels. Um, I thought he would get more than 5%. I thought he would stay on the ballot. I was I was surprised at the number, um, but I wasn't surprised that he didn't get inducted this year. Um, I was yeah. surprised that Maurer got inducted first ballot, not because I didn't think he was deserving, but because catchers normally are underrepresented and undervalued in these types of things. Um, but I think it's a very good sign that Maurer got in for Yachty, at least. So for Holiday, yes, I agree. My disappointment is not that he didn't get in, but that he's off the ballot after a year. Um, that's what I struggled with. And and again, there's doesn't mean he won't ever get in. There could they have you right know, the errors committee could induct the errors him later. committee could induct him later. And honestly, uh, he, he probably would have had a better chance if he had an MVP on his resume. But he finished second to some guy named Albert Pujols one year. So yeah. um, <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes. You know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, Joe Maurer is an interesting case uh, to kind of when you say good sign for Yachty because him and Yachty are pretty much polar opposites at the catcher position. Uh, I know we talk a lot about Buster Posey being, you know, the the, the you know opposite of Yachty a little bit, and that both Buster Posey and Maurer, but Maurer more than Posey, brought more value with their bats than they did with their glove. And Yachty right. was the other way around. Very, yeah. I mean, polar opposite, right? Right. So the reason why I think this is a good sign for Yachty is because, well, so since it's such a numbers-heavy vote, because the, the baseball writers really like being able to quantify everything, uh, and catchers are normally underrepresented, I found it unlikely that they would vote for Yachty if they hadn't voted in Maurer. First, so the fact that they've already voted in Maurer makes me think that it would be easier for Yachty to get in. Um, on the reverse side of that is that they could try to compare Yachty to Maurer, um, mm-hmm. but I think there's enough of them that are, you know, if, when you look at like league-wide stats, um, Yachty like has like way more All Stars. He has way more defensive, um, you know, he has way more Gold Gloves. He has Platinum Gloves. Maurer never got a Platinum Glove. Um, they're just different. Um, so I do think Yachty is deserving, of course, as you do, and as does every Cardinals fan that's out there. Um, but just the politics of it, I think it, it helps Yachty's case if Maurer's already been inducted. And and Maurer was not a power hitter either for those that you think he was. He didn't hit for power. He hit for average and a high average at that. Uh, he led, and this was, uh, one of the questions that popped up when I was on, uh, the fight against Randy Carricker, but how many times did he lead the league in batting average? Did he win a batting title? Um, Is this the one you missed? No. Uh, the one oh. I missed was who won, who has the, uh, can, mo- in the 92, 90, 91, 92, or it was 92, 93 season. Who set the, which team set the NHL record with 17 consecutive wins? Oh. Um, and I went with the Canadians uh, who won the cup that year. Uh, but I was wrong. It was actually the Penguins who went on the tear. Um, who w- would have been oh, my, that makes my second pick? Was my second pick? But <laughs> yeah, character got a, that a, one. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a, then Penguins I was also been a good choice for sure. I was also not very uh, <laughs> uh, old at that time, so um, <clears throat> you weren't watching a lot of NHL hockey when you were two. Yeah, no, I wasn't. So, but Maurer has has three. He led Major League Baseball twice in the AL three times uh, in batting average. I mean, the guy was a monster at getting on base and getting hits. Uh, was a doubles machine. Did he? I can't remember if he won a an MVP or not. Um, uh, I don't think he did. Joe. I'm pulling it up. Keep talking. Yeah. So anyway, um, so he's, but again, complete, very much an offensively minded catcher. Not that he was terrible defensively, but he didn't change the game defensively the way Yachty did. Um, And so it's interesting to compare. I also, you know, think about, you know, 
innings caught, right? When you think about catchers, that's something Yachty has on anybody at this point, right? There's not going to be another catcher that's going to catch as many innings as Yachty did. The guy was built different. Um, there's a statistic and a thing running around the internet right now, which I find amusing, but uh, Buster Posey and Joe Maurer combined had less innings at catcher than Yachty did in his career because um, those two both flexed into first base a lot to try to save their knees. Right. And and Maurer did have one MVP season in 2009. There you go. Yeah. I was like, I thought he had, I thought he did. Um, and yeah. that's another thing that Yachty doesn't have on his resume. Uh, I think he only hit like what, 149 home runs or something. Uh, Maurer? But yeah. But he had like three. I have it okay, up in front of me. Yeah. Okay. But his career batting average is over 300. Um, but, you know, I don't know. You know, I need to look and see how Yachty compares long term because I don't. Because the reason I've looked at Maurer's because he just made it into the Hall of Fame. Um, Yachty's batting average, is, uh, batting average for Yachty career was 277. Yachty actually has more career home runs than Maurer. There's a counting stat. Counting stat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Maurer's batting average was 306. His on base percentage 384. He actually has a decent OPS plus um, 124, which means that um, compared he to other a catchers, lot of doubles. <laughs> right. Um, but it means he was 24% better um, in that regard to the league average. Uh, yeah, he's third all time catchers with doubles, uh, sixth all time with hits. Um, which means Yachty's got to be Yachty's higher than that, right? Yachty has more hits than twenty one hundred, right? Yachty has more hits I, than that. I'm look. I'm pulling up all time okay, catcher stats. You. Um, but no, Maurer definitely deserves it. But he's just different. Um, they're just different players. Uh, Maurer is, you know, as far as offensive production goes. Maurer is like the guy for catchers um, in a way that that especially among modern catchers does not exist. Um, Posey would be the other close uh, comparator. And so it's well-deserved. Uh, we'll have to see. We've got, what, I guess four more years before Yachty's on the ballot. Posey should be on before then, right? Posey just retired. Yeah, he, he retired first. So this is where... Yachty's going to get hurt is when they look at the career ward wins above replacement. Right. Numbers. But war doesn't war is not accurate for catchers. That's the, that's the point. Correct. That's, well, that's what I'm getting at is that's, what's going to hurt though too. Right. Is, um, I mean, when you look at the, the top, uh, seven, uh, catchers, Johnny bench, Gary Carter, Ivan, Ivan Rodriguez, Carlton Fisk, Mike Piazza, Yoga, Yogi Berra, and Joe Maurer. That's a tough, tough top seven, right? Um, mm-hmm. But all of the top 11 are in the Hall of Fame. Um, and there is a couple of people in the Hall of Fame below Yachty. So it's not saying that he wouldn't make it in, right? There's several. Right. And I think because of that, that's something to keep in mind. Um, you know, as Yachty to where does that have is. About 40 more hits than. Uh... Than Maurer. Correct. Um, you know, I was talking about him being a, a doubles machine, though. Um, he, Joe Maurer has 428 doubles in his career. Uh, Yachty, by comparison, has 408. But uh, games played, right? Um, right. <laughs> Yachty, Yachty is over, what, 400? Roughly 350 games, 360 games more than... <laughs> it's right. too, you know. Well, and I'm not, but it, I'm not a fan of, needs, should take into that, right? Like if right. you if you were able to play catcher at a Hall of Fame level for as long as you did without dropping, without ever really dropping off, and when Yachty came up, he did not hit. Let's be honest. I mean, the guy right. struggled. Yeah. The reason he came up was because of his de- defense and his play, his game calling, his ability to stop the run game of other teams. That's why that's why Yachty came up. That's why Yachty earned his spot in the majors, and the hitting came later. I mean, I remember so the 06 run when he hit that home run against the Mets. That was as shocking it to many oh, yeah. as it was when Ozzy hit the home run left-handed. Right? It's it's not something you expected out of those guys. Well, and and 2006 was actually um, from a batting perspective um, 
basically Yachty's worst year. Um, the only year that was worse from a from a batting average perspective was actually 2022, and they were essentially the same. So, but with that, okay, I'm not a fan of the durability argument for most positions, except for positions that are historically hard to be durable in, such as catcher, right? Like people do not survive in catcher. That's why Maurer switched. That's why Posey switched. Yachty would not have been in the majors if he had switched. Like I have, I have three positions where I feel like durability matters in the majors. Catcher, catcher, center field, catcher, Uh, center field, and shortstop. Okay, shortstop is enough. Shortstop is pitcher to that. I'm, I would agree with pitching. I'm just, I'm thinking more like field positions. Um, Fair, but. But because those three are so much harder on the body yeah. um, and de- you, so much more demanding, it's why it was, you know, when you have a guy who can play his whole career at shortstop and still be effective batting and defensively, yeah. that you're able to to manage that. Yeah. Uh, Centerfield's another one, right? I mean, Harrison Bader played uh, when he, you know, the reason he played was because of his his speed and athleticism. So you get a lot of fast, quick guys that can play out there every day, but can they hit? Mm-hmm. And that's why when you get somebody who can do both long-term, it's that's much more impressive for those positions. Right. And Yachty was not a bad hitter. Like he had several years where he was really good on his career. He was slightly, slightly worse than average, but his career was 19, 19 years. And from the batting or from the catcher position, like if you have a, a essentially a league average hitter at catcher, uh, that's that's okay, especially when you add in the defensive skills that he brought. So I don't know. I, I do think he's a Hall of Fame catcher, and I can't wait to see him get inducted. I really the thing that I think, and, and I know you know this, <laughs> but the baseball writers, like the people who have the votes, that I hope they realize is look at how our pitching staff performed with Yachty and without Yachty. Yeah. That's all you well, need to also, know. In addition to that, <laughs> look at how many less steals were attempted against the Cardinals during his career than any other team. Like the oh, next closest team, close. it, like the next closest team is 50% more than us. Like steals attempted, mm-hmm. like, and, and we are just like, there's a big group of, of teams that are like between like 2000 and, and 22, 2300. And then everyone else way above that. And then we're down at like 1400 steals attempted in the 20 year span he played. Like that's a big deal difference. Yeah, I mean, again, he changed the game from the defensive side that I think um, was, I mean, absolutely unreal. And I think that's um, something. I think it's something worth noting and, and keeping in in mind. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, my ten second yes or no. Okay. For you. Does Yachty get in to the playoffs on the first two ballots? Into the playoffs on the first two or ballots? Not the playoffs, into the, the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I read something on the thing that said playoffs when playoffs, I was looking at yeah. our, on our uh, outline. On the outline. I, I knew what you meant. On the so first let me two rephrase. ballots? Does, he, does Yachty make it into the Hall of Fame on the first one of the first two ballots he's on? I think it depends on it, on Posey. Um, if Posey goes, if Posey is still on the ballot, I don't see Yachty getting in. Um, but I do also think that the writers will want to induct. I could see them wanting to induct Yachty and Albert together because they're such good friends. So I could see that like Albert, like pulling Yachty through, (laughs) if that makes sense. (coughs) Yeah. And because they retired together, they'll be on the ballot the same year. They'll be on the ballot on the same year. That would be, I mean, that would be so amazing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Now, now I have a new uh, hope here in the next few years of something I want to see sports wise. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to check. <clears throat> All right. Um, I have nothing else that I need or want to say about the Cardinals right now. You have anything else? Uh, you had a comment about jersey limit stuff. Oh, um, yeah, because baseball is so- the no fun league. Yeah. So I know you, you say, hey, MLB doesn't want us to have fun was your, your title here. Um, and I don't yes. don't disagree. The MLB is the uh, no fun league. I mean, honestly, it's the reason why people. Ha- so Iowa, this is a fun one. 
So we're talking about streaming rights, trying to get people get ac- get people access to Major League Baseball games. Iowa has what five or six teams they have blackouts for that they can't yeah. see games for. So yeah. they can't like stream games to the MLB app for the Cardinals, the Royals, the White Sox, the Cubs, the Twins. Who am I missing? I feel like I might be the Brewers. There might be another and the Brewers. So yeah. six teams that yeah. Iowa gets blackouts for. I mean, just absolutely unreal. And then they wonder, like, I don't know why we can't get more people to watch our games. Right. Well, that goes back <laughs> to the thing that we were talking about, you know, a couple of weeks ago about how supposedly only like 15% of households in the St. Louis region, like, can watch Cardinals baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like a big deal for a fan base that's as rabid as ours. And that if, if we're only hitting 15%, like teams like the Twins are, you know, probably hitting much less. So the other thing is we have amazing radio broadcasters. We do. That's true. Which I, also I prefer means listening that to it people, on the radio. I do. So I actually will pause TV for like a split second to get the radio at the same speed and watch mm-hmm. the game live, but with the radio broadcast playing because I yeah. prefer our radio broadcasters. Um, but that's just me. Yeah. So, but That's I think that, hurts, I that, that. that hurts, that hurts the St. Louis pieces as well though. Right. Like, is that, okay, well, I don't need to watch the game because it's expensive to have to pay to get that channel. And instead I can just for free hop on the radio and listen to amazing play-by-play right. announcers. Yeah. Because they actually have to describe the game. Like they like aren't mm-hmm. just going to talk about other random crap the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't have access to watching Cardinals games most years. Uh, and so I listen to it a lot on the radio. And I, I do prefer listening to it um, most of the time. But then I miss watching it and then I, you know, steal someone's login info. So that way I can do that. So. I mean, you would never do that because don't come check. That, that would be illegal. IP addresses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the red, I know you mentioned the red spring training jerseys are gone. But I still thought that the, and again, this goes back to our Jersey episode a little bit. I thought the, the red Jersey talk was in, con, in relation to the city connect jerseys because they only allow you to have four jerseys plus a city connect. Um, and we have the two Saturdays. So we've got the baby blues and we have the cream. Although I wish the baby blues were just our always away jerseys, but that's just me. Uh, and then we have the gray and the whites. I still am in favor of getting rid of the grays, uh, just doing baby blues for away, and then having red that you can mix in for home or away whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah. But but City Connect hopefully should be on the horizon, and it sounds like that will be a red jersey, fingers crossed. Yeah. But did you see, like, okay, so we're finally getting a City Connect jersey. The Nationals are already taking theirs out, and they have one of the better ones with the, yeah. with the cherry blossoms. The roses, so, your cherry yeah. blossoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't see why they couldn't have just done like all the teams in like a single year for this, but. Or in like a two year span, but instead they right. spread it over like what, three or four. And it's just been. At least. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's like you would think you'd want everyone to have city connect jerseys. Cause it would be cool to do like a week city of connect city games. connect jerseys. Yeah. 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 But again, we're smarter than they are. So they just, it, it's, the marketing from the MLB is just piss poor, but yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> uh, hey, and better news. Uh, we're just over two weeks out from Valentine's day. And do you know what's great about Valentine's day? Pitchers and catchers report. That's exactly right. <laughs> and pitchers and catching reporting doesn't hurt my wallet. That it depends on if you're going down to watch spring training, I guess. Mm, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're just over two weeks out from pitchers and catchers reporting and the uh, unofficial start of spring training. I think the technical official start is once everyone reports, but right. uh, for me, it's the start of spring training. It's the start of baseball season. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see if all of our old pitchers can make it through our wonderful spring training sessions without getting injured. I'm not going to bet on them on guys staying healthy but i really want to but i don't feel good about doing that here's here's my last mlb 10 second yes or no question 
uh, do both Monty and Blake Snell sign before spring training? Before pitchers and catchers report spring training or before mm-hmm. like games start spring before, training? Before, pi- before pitchers and catchers report. Do both of them sign? Yeah, I think so. I both I think they both like get to like that last week and take a deal so that way they can like organize their lives uh, before the season starts because the season is so busy. So yeah, I think they both do. Now I could see that being like February tenth, they sign, you know. But yeah, I see. I think one, but not both will. And then I think at least one of them will hold out into spring training and wait for a team that's desperate after somebody gets hurt to actually shell out the money they want. And I think that's how it'll play out. I don't think both of them will sign. I could see that happening. I, I support that theory. I subscribe. Good. You should subscribe because I'm a genius. Yes. Uh, to in our comparison, channel. In comparison subscribe to, to our some, channel. Yeah. Like our page. Uh, Follow us Listen, on, on social media. We have some of the best hot takes here. Uh, like the fact that I look really goofy wearing a beanie in this podcast, but I felt like I would give it a go for once. Yeah, you know, it doesn't work for you. I, I think it actually does work for you. I'm not I'm not against it. Now, that being said, we're on Riverside because it uploads while we record. Like, I can't really see you. You're very fuzzy. So oh, yeah, you're blurry, too. Yeah. But I think it's working. The badge comes through great. Like I the badge very does look. Yeah, yeah, I think the badge looks spot on. I think it's a, it's a solid yeah. hat for that. Also, uh, I really know, like we'll your see. shirt. I like that Cardinals top. Right. Oh yeah, I actually have two of them. I I think I still have two of them. Or did I give one of these to Devin, my brother? I don't remember. I gave him a. I've given him a couple of giveaways over the years. Um, hmm. But at one, I know Lindsay and I each got one of these, and it was too big on her. Um, because they always give their giveaways in XLs, which is perfect because that's what I wear. Not uh, always. Not always. They have one this year that is a mystery size giveaway jersey. What? So the Yeah. So it could be any size. And I, they also aren't saying which player it is. So I think it could be like any player, any size. It's very bizarre. I mean, it's kind of cool, but also terrible. Um, yeah. Because like But if, you're, if you're small, will... like it's... Yeah, but what if you're small and you get a 2XL? Everyone's just going to be swapping in the stands. Right, which is the point, <laughs> though, right? People can can do that now. Yeah, I think I, that's not a terrible thing, right? Like where you could trade with somebody in the stands. Yeah. Like, hey, um, unless it, if it's all the same player, it'll be easier to trade. But if you get a bunch right. of like different players and sizes, somebody's going to be like, oh, I got Taylor Motter. Will you trade? And nobody's going to trade with that dude. <laughs> what? Why not? <laughs> League MVP, Taylor Motter. Well, what's going to happen is they're going to hand out that jersey, and the jersey's going to somehow get sent to Memphis before that player can even wear the fan can right. even wear it. Right, no. right. <laughs> you, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> oh God. Okay. <laughs> we got to wrap this one up. <laughs> we do need to wrap this up. Um, <clears throat> so. <laughs> So there's been a lot, uh, we've talked about a lot already. Uh, and again, it's been two weeks. We have a lot more, so we're probably gonna have to split this up into a, a two-parter episode to finish this bad boy out. For those of you who have stuck with us this long and are waiting for that St. Louis City SC content, it is on the way. But please remember to subscribe, like, and follow our channel. And more than anything, remember that here at The Lunatics, we all hate Stan Kroenke. Good night.